0: Welcome to the Wellbeing Designers podcast. My name is Réka Deák. I am your host. This podcast is about well-being at work and in life. We discover how we can design the future of well-being together so we can create human-centric organizations and a sustainable work-life. In the first season of the podcast, I talked with the first generation of well-being leaders in big organizations. Usually, they were the very first ones in the organization ever to have the title of Head of Well-Being or similar. In the second season, starting with episode 9, you will meet similar people again, and I invited some other interesting profiles as well. All these people work on well being on a systemic level. Their mission is related to make the world a better place through focusing on well being. In the past years, especially since COVID, employee well being got on the top of the agenda, not only for companies worldwide, but even some countries and other official institutions started to call for action. In the Wellbeing Designers podcast conversations, I would like to highlight the work of those sometimes invisible people, leaders, who are either in charge of well-being in organizations and trying to navigate amongst the growing amount of well-being offerings while connecting efforts to business impact and most importantly, create real value for employees. Or they are those leaders. Who are doing their best to create international forums to exchange, raise awareness, and take action on well being and people's sustainability? They might be the ones whose responsibility is to take care of hundreds, thousands, or ten thousands of people's well being. They might be the ones who keep decision makers and CEOs engaged about the topic of well being. They might be the ones who are proving that employee well-being is a strategic enabler of sustainable performance and business success. They might be the connectors between well-being leaders across companies and countries. I call these people well-being designers. Enjoy listening to them and learning from them. Together, we can design a human-centric work life and the future of well-being. This is a special bonus episode with a surprise interview. Enjoy!
1: Hello, everybody. This is a different voice today. My name is Isabel Steinhoff, and it's my pleasure and honor to interview the host of the Wellbeing Designers podcast, Rika Deak. Welcome, Rika.
2: Hi, Isabel. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to be here on this podcast now uh, in a different position. Yes. Thanks a lot for your proposal to do this. Uh, I knew that if I do once something like this, <laughs> then you will be the one interviewing me. So since we got to know each other, which was exactly uh, in 2019 when I... Uh, first started on this journey, setting up the early version of being Designers.
1: Yeah, it was really exciting uh, when we met. I had also just quit uh, my consulting uh, gig and I think we were quite in a similar headspace, although I would say you were already more advanced and had sort of already started on this well-being
2: journey. Maybe you want to take us back there and let us know what was going on back then. Absolutely. Seven years ago, I was on a quite challenging project, uh, working in consulting, and uh, it was a dream project in a way. I uh, got the responsibility to lead a change uh, uh, management piece, and uh, I was taking care of my own well-being. But uh, still, uh, something, uh, yeah, didn't click there, and it was not only me. I saw people uh, burning out around me or behaving, you know, in not a nice way. They were not at their best, and I experienced the same in me. Luckily, I didn't go until uh, burnout, but uh, I was clearly not at my best. I had some symptoms and uh, I was uh, not reacting in an assertive way on challenges and uh, difficult conversations like uh, as I wanted. And this really uh, made me question also the way how I approach my own Mm well-being. So if I should do something differently, what it is. At, uh, also how I could bring others along you know how I could uh, support my consulting team my colleagues the clients when we interact when they interact to create a better uh, culture and the base to work together and this was really a defining moment of course back then I didn't uh, call it well mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it kicked off my journey uh, and now I know that what was in my mind is really <laughs> to create a well-being culture. And then uh, I learned uh, different techniques, um, both from west and east, so my coaching studies were based on neuroscience and uh, also the eastern influence through yoga, meditation and then again western mindfulness. So these all came uh, together in my work. (laughs) So this has been a long time in the making
1: but uh, we heard you speak about the, the personal side of it but when you think about it from a strategic and organizational perspective What are the different nuances compared to, I think we sort of have an image of what personal well-being can be, but if you take it to the organizational stage, how does that play out then?
2: We always go back, of course, on the individual level, so even if we approach it from the organization, what we talk about is the people, right, so that they all feel uh, well. So, uh, if we talk about uh, strategic well-being individually, then uh, it's uh, about uh, your intention that you don't just uh, react on on your life and uh, you know just uh, like find something cure uh, your symptoms, but you intentionally set up your life in a way uh, that. Um, uh, maintains your well being physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, financially. The same is true for organizations. If they want to have a workforce which is uh, uh, productive, uh, people uh, bring their best uh, selves to work, they are happy, uh, healthy, then you have to create a culture and an environment that uh, helps people create this awareness of taking care of their own well being. And then um, help and support teams uh, to understand each other, and that's how they can uh, also work and collaborate better together.
1: Mm -hmm. There needs to be a balance, right? Again, we were speaking about the individual level, but then also as an organization you have goals, you want to have a high-performance culture. How do you then balance sort of people's individual needs and where they are in their maturity in this subject, and also for the organization, and maybe what's uh, what's the role of a well-being designer in all of that?
2: That's something that uh, companies are uh, nowadays just uh, figuring out, and uh, they now really see that this uh, uh, leads uh, to success, and there is benefit. Like studies show that uh, companies who invest into well-being, they uh, perform better, uh, and they outperform their uh, competitors. So uh, luckily we are at this point where we have data behind this. A few years ago uh, this was still not there. So of course elements of well-being like psychological safety it's a very important element Uh, there is research for a long uh, time out there but uh, this uh, holistic well-being approach which is based on physical emotional mental social financial even like uh, there are many layers parental uh, well-being this is something that uh, really came up uh, strongly in the past years so Organizations uh, can uh, support this in various ways. Uh, Definitely we need uh, role modeling uh, by the leaders. I believe also in bottom-up movements, and they are very important. But uh, without the commitment of the leadership, uh, really an organization-wide change won't happen. So that's why we need to approach it from everywhere in the organization.
1: How can organizations deal with it? You said there's a lot of layers to it, so it needs a holistic approach. Um, How do companies find sort of their well-being strategy, let's say? You said it's also a change project. So how would they approach the subject? And maybe you can build on also what you've learned from your guests in season one, Uh, who were all well-being designers and were in charge of this area in their respective organizations.
2: There are uh, frameworks out there and usually companies pick a framework that worked maybe for another company. But it's also important that it was uh, emphasized uh, by uh, my guests that You need to listen to your people and, you know, uh, if you really listen to them, then you really listen to your own organization. It's good to have the frameworks and best practices. You have to then adapt it uh, for your organization, for your problems. We have uh, no uh, organizations that look uh, the same uh, in terms of individuals, cultures, the size, the industry, uh, how much percentage is white-collar or blue-collar workers, these influence what being manager, well, being leader, then uh, has to deal with.
1: What are typical challenges that these organizations face when they when they start to engage with the topic, and how would you recommend sort of they try to over overcome them? what's, what's your perspective on that?
2: There are companies who have been always trying to deal with this topic, and they are famous to be good employers. So maybe for them, this journey came much more natural. There are other companies who were more focused on just uh, productivity and uh, paying people. so there it's a bit more complicated. Uh, They now really react on the demand, especially by the new generation who Mm -hmm. are Uh, very conscious uh, that they want to work for an employer who takes care of their uh, well-being and uh, offers the opportunity for them to bring their best selves or their whole selves to work. Historically, uh, the big companies have done this a lot, but they changed uh, from wellness to more well-being, to have the mm-hmm. holistic approach. And then uh, smaller companies or, or the ones who didn't uh, put this in the center of their uh, strategy, they are now picking up uh, on this topic. In my conversation with uh, being leaders or people who now uh, picked up this topic within organizations, uh, sometimes we get back to the point that uh, we shouldn't start with a bigger holistic well-being programme or wellbeing journey, education, how I like to call it for employees, but first uh, we should uh, approach the leadership team because they might still not understand it fully, what are the benefits and why they have to invest into it. If we talk about the leaders, it's interesting because in leadership development programmes, uh, This element of uh, self-awareness and personal (laughs) development, it has been always there. Many companies actually then uh, realized through their leadership development program that, oh, you know, why not uh, to give this to all employees? And that's exactly, uh, I think, the beauty of uh, employee well-being nowadays, that you can now through this movement offer uh, this personal development. Creating the self-awareness for everyone, every employee in the company.
1: <laughs> I love how you're so passionate about this topic, and it segues me nicely into. I want to shed some more light on the mission of well-being designers. I think you sort of already hinted a little bit at it, but just give us a glimpse on what you're doing, what you're planning to do, and uh, you know how people can get on
2: board uh, on with this journey of yours as well. Happy to do that. Uh, First, uh, before my mission, I would talk about my vision, (laughs) because that really explains then a bit uh, the mission. So my vision is that uh, one day we run out of work. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs) Because then uh, well-being as a group of skills or life skill, uh, it would then uh, be taught to kids, to teenagers, in schools, uh, at universities, uh, latest. And they would already arrive uh, at their first workplace possessing this knowledge, you know, how they uh, take care of their physical well-being in terms of exercise, sleep, nutrition, how they uh, recharge, uh, how they take care of their mental well-being, uh, emotional well-being. But this is still not there. There are countries who are advancing on this. They they have already, for instance, mindfulness classes in high schools, but this is not uh, the average. We have still many people who were not taught uh, uh, how to deal with their well-being in schools. So they are now in the workforce, and um, they face some challenges. So then. Our mission comes here uh, to really provide an education for people, how to pick up well-being skills and then how to design together healthy organizations, well-being culture in organizations. So we have a human-centric work life and this is good not only for the company but for the overall community and society.
1: So we start in the workplace, which is nice and uh, I love your vision that this will be actually natural and maybe AI will do all the work for us (laughs) and we can just be happy and well. Uh, But let's dive a bit deeper into um, how you are working with companies and how you are educating leaders, but also then the well-being designers, right? The next generation of people who will take care of this in the Mm -hmm. workplaces. Let's let's go a bit deeper.
2: First of all, building awareness. Uh, That's uh, one of the work that uh, we face out there and there is a demand for it. That uh, we can do through uh, giving uh, inspirational keynotes uh, for leaders or for employees or inspirational workshops where They really got to know the the numbers uh, and the benefits uh, behind uh, the well-being culture and experience it also on themselves through some techniques. When we have this awareness and uh, the awareness is there and the intention to do something more about it, then we can go a bit uh, deeper and further to work uh, together with uh, teams. Uh, For instance, one of uh, the popular uh, workshops that we do is a well-being culture sprint, uh, where you can design uh, your own uh, well-being in a team context and the team's well-being, and then eventually this could help to create an organization-wide well-being framework and strategy. And of course, uh, this is still uh, quite short, so we know that uh, change is difficult and this mm-hmm. requires usually some change in behaviors of the individual and the organizational behavior. So we then uh, work also longer uh, together with companies on uh, well culture journeys. And uh, this is where the more um, intentional well education approach uh, comes in uh, when a selected group of people in the organization learn about the holistic well-being approach uh, and uh, they can be then the ones who then bring this uh, into the organization whether they are well-being champions or line managers so they learn all about uh, physical, mental, emotional, social, parental well-being and uh, in a work and team context. Uh, So that's very important for us that uh, we really put this into a work context because uh, sometimes uh, that is missing in this equation. So we go beyond the individual. I
1: like how you're engaging all the layers, right? You have something for the leaders who do have to speak about numbers in the end. Mm. It's uh, what they are uh, focused on and to show really how this is a strategic topic for sustainable performance. And then also the team leads. Could you dive a bit deeper into this sprint? I think that's something that's very intriguing for people. A, because it sounds fast, and B, because it sounds hands-on. And I think uh, we learn, humans learn through experience, right? If you have this, as you call it yourself, this aha moment, right, where you realize something, you have an epiphany. I think that's sort of the trigger usually for change, right? Because we don't like to just change because somebody says it, but because we are convinced that Mm -hmm. there is a better way. So maybe you can give us a bit more insight into what the such a uh, well-being culture sprint is is like?
2: Usually it tackles a business problem as well, so it's easier for people to uh, embark on this journey. We identify uh, some uh, challenges together and then we really work on a solution through the well-being lenses, uh, how individuals can then become uh, more sustainable performers by uh, creating more self-awareness, getting to know uh, what is uh, best for them as individuals and then respecting each other's needs, because uh, we have uh, different needs, and maybe, you know, this can be conflicting uh, needs, or we have a different uh, conflicting uh, way to be well. Uh, But that's uh, uh, really important to bring this uh, uh, respect and create a psychologically safe space. We then know what is good for our whole team to work together and be a sustainable performer. And how long does it take you to such a sprint? So it's like from three to five days. It's really between uh, a longer journey and just a one-time inspirational uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. So you can <laughs> sort of dip your toe into the water
1: and then you can, you know, uh, want to go and swim deeper.
2: Yeah. And uh, one other thing that really came out uh, also in these conversations in the podcast is uh, growing demand by well-being managers, well-being leaders who come to us. We will uh, launch a course for them. And so but they can
1: be sort of become a train-the-trainer sort of ambassador, as you said, it for for this topic. But, of course, uh, they need the methodology for that. And the community aspect, that's, I think, very interesting. Um, How has maybe also your podcast uh, connected people? I think you you told me uh, some funny stories before we started recording. I don't know which of those you want to share. uh, But sort of this has already had some impact and you have already brought people together. So how does that play into now your whole mission and vision? You and I were
2: together on a journey once to build a community around future of work. We both know it's a hard work. When I started this podcast, I didn't have a, such a plan in my mind that, okay, through that I will build and formalize such a community. It's still uh, there a bit uh, pending in the air, but uh, yeah, the demand is there. I am very grateful for those people who turned to me from uh, the other side of the world. I am based in Switzerland, but I got messages from uh, the US, Canada, like Asia, maybe less, but even from there, yeah, once (laughs) someone uh, contacted me and Australia and of course within Europe, uh, that uh, they really liked the podcast, it was something uh, missing uh, for them, this approach to really focus on organizational Mm well-being, and then they wanted to talk, uh, engage, uh, so I am now still in this uh, process to um, figure this out how to uh, give the best for them you know maybe it's okay like this we have the podcast <laughs> and we connect sometimes but uh, there is definitely a potential for something more
1: and now you've been on a journey for for quite some time and I love how you said uh, also it had to be sort of, it was always brewing a little bit in the background also during Corona. And finally, it has sort of materialized and you're, you're uh, gaining traction with it. And also the world is ready for it. I think Corona played um, a big role in that as well. So with your own experience, with what you've learned from your guests and, and your partners, um, what would be your advice for the future generation of well-being designers. I think that's something you ask your guests as well. So you're not getting around this one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have three words and then I can explain them. (laughs) Uh, Lead, co-create, enjoy. So what is behind these words? Uh, The the first one is lead. It's uh, both, you know, lead by example. So you as a well-being leader in the organization, then you are also a role model of this uh, uh, behavior and way of uh, uh, being, way of working. Uh, plus lead in a way that uh, I think if, if uh, we want to be uh, efficient and really make a difference and create a well-being culture, then this person needs to step up. Ideally, you know, the position is created with a certain seniority, but if not, then there are different uh, ways to show leadership and uh, go out there, engage your stakeholders. Uh, the second one, the collaborate and co-create, is really about working um, uh, through silos and through the hierarchy. So well-being shouldn't be you know, just at the well-being HR department, it should be really uh, across the whole organization, integrated into all business areas. And, yeah, also on all hierarchies, so it's not only for leaders, not only for employees, uh, it's really a mindset that we have to uh, transmit on all levels and layers. And the third one is enjoy the journey, (laughs) you know, it can be a job and every job can be demanding. Either you are within an organization working on this and then uh, you face all the challenges that uh, corporate life offers, or you might be on the outside uh, as a provider, uh, breaking through the noise. I think we live in an exceptional time and uh, the potential of well-being is really huge and we need to enjoy this journey, (laughs) and not only see the negatives and the difficulties, but also stop uh, for a moment and recognize that, wow, you know, where we came from. uh, Mm -hmm. We really now made a big step uh, in our small world uh, as uh, well-being managers in our organization to start to talk about this topic, and in the whole world there is a movement going on and this is big this is a big step
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a beautiful point i think to end on thank you reka for being in the hot seat today and for taking the initiative with this podcast for pushing this topic forward and i wish you all the best for well-being designers and i can't wait for season two of this podcast
0: I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of the Wellbeing Designers podcast. If you would like to keep in touch with me, with us, sign up to the Wellbeing Designers newsletter. You can do this on our website, www.wellbeing.design. You can reach out to me via the website or via LinkedIn. I am happy to connect with other well-being designers from all over the world. Remember, together we can design a human-centric work life and the future of well-being.